We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. Uh, Alex Hurst, Simon Campbell and Norman Riley here today to talk to you about Newcastle United nil, AFC Bournemouth 1. Uh, and a very disappointing day at St James's Park um, with a, a really uh, soul-destroying ending. Um, and we're going to assess what went wrong, what we'll have to do in the future, and also if there are any positives to come out of that and kind of assess our position right now at the start of the season, uh, if you can call 11 games the start of the season still. Sai, si, I'll start with you since you sat next to me. Um, yesterday, it was a game we all thought would win all three of us here, sat here, you and your match preview for True Faith, me and Norman on the podcast, all predicted a win. Why do you think it went so wrong? Did it go so It only went so wrong in the last like half an hour when we just couldn't couldn't seem to get back in the game. Um, it was still nil-nil for most of that, but... The first half, and especially the first half an hour, were absolutely bad at them. Like it was, it was one of the best starts to a game we've had in in a long time. Um, and what went wrong is the fact we didn't score. Like that, that's just killed. We've seen to we've seen to give everything in the first half an hour to try and catch them early because that Bournemouth side have struggled this season, and to put them put them behind early on would have been enough, I reckon, to see them off. But we'll let we'll we'll let them stay in the game, and and as as it went on, their confidence grew. We tired, and it was just. That's where I went wrong, not not getting that early goal. Norman, do you think that... I'm going to cut straight to the chase here. Do you think that Rafa's substitution, Hossolu for Perez, cost us the game? Um, I, I don't know if it cost us the game because... Uh, I mean, cost us the game in the sense that we lost. Uh, I mean, I think if Hossolu had stayed on, it, it may well have just stayed at nil-nil. Um, it, the whole... I mean, I said it in the match report, and we said it in the match at the time, the whole shape of the team changed um, when, when Perez came on and I happen to think that Hosselu and, and Gale did really well together in the first half um, bearing in mind this is the first time that I think this is the first time they played together yeah, possibly it will be. the first time they've been on the, on the pitch together um, and I thought they did alright I mean Hosselu is, is clearly a striker bereft of confidence in, in front of goal He's, um, he had a couple of opportunities yesterday and the, the shot from long range was what was you know the, the effort of someone who, who just kind of panicked when he, had the, when he had that amount of time on the ball um, and he had that great chance with the header just after the, just at the start of the second half that he probably should have done better with. Um, and I, I think we we all expected when when we saw Hosselu when we, when we saw the substitution being made, we we all expected it to be Mitrovic, sort of like for like in the in the physical sense. Um, and and when it was Perez, I think we all just kind of turned to each other and thought, well, this is a bit odd. And um, yeah, the, the the shape of the team just it just changed completely and. 
but I mean, by that point, to be fair, Bournemouth were getting a bit of a foothold in the game, and they were starting to to dominate. They weren't looking, they weren't looking massively dangerous, but they were certainly looking um, looking the better side at that point. Um, and obviously, they got that goal at the end. Um, would Hosselu being on the pitch would that have made any difference? I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if it would have done it. But we certainly looked a hell of a lot less of a threat when when he went off and Perez came on. And I, and I mean, and I'm no massive fan of of Mitro, but I, I would have preferred it to have, have been him coming on the pitch. Perez. If I'm going to be kind to Rafa, and I will be because I love him, um, I think he he makes that change. I mean, everyone listening to this podcast knows that we do not rate the partnership of Perez and Gale. It was no good in the championship, so there's nothing to suggest it would be any good at this level. I have a feeling he wanted to keep Gale on because I agree with you, Gale was playing well. Didn't have his best game, but he was he, he made an impact and I think Gale needs two, th- well, well, I don't think he'll get two, three, four games at this level, but last season, whenever he was injured or at the start of the season, he didn't really start coming into his own after you know, a couple of games back to back. And I think it's really positive that Dwight Gale got 90 minutes and came through 90 minutes on a skate yesterday for the first time in, in quite a while. What would be great is if he could put that uh, back that up with the game, uh, with the performance at Old Trafford as well. But I have a feeling that Rafa will not have planned to change Christian Atsu, who came off injured, and would have planned to change Gale maybe 85 minutes, 80, 45 minutes, and centimetre rich right. You've got five, six minutes plus injury time, go and cause chaos. And that plan was obviously disrupted by the Atsu injury. Um, so that's me being kind. I, don't, I have no idea. That could be total total conjecture. Yeah, we'd uh, lost another sub as well in, in LaSalle's, remember? Yes, we had, yeah. Good, great point, Si. We'd lost the LaSalle's for Clark sub. So there are mitigating circumstances, but it does come back to the fact that even if you were going to bring Mitrovic on um, for... You know, for uh, Hosselu, that the game changed then, and you're right, Norman. Bournemouth did have the better of the second half even before that, so I think that sub was on sixty-eight minutes. Um, hadn't really had too many chances. They had that one where, um, Josh King missed his sitter, put it wide of the the left-hand post when he just had Robelli to beat. Um, looks easy at the score, but apart from that, Bournemouth hadn't done much up to that point, and that sub just completely changed the game. And for all Hosselu's flaws, of which there are a few. Uh, Norman, you've alluded correctly to those misses. I think the one in the second half at Nils each when he gets the free header at the back post and he heads it into the ground. He just he's just got a head down at the at the goal there. But anyway, for all of Hosselu's flaws, we were a worse side without him on the pitch. And I think that has to give people a little bit of perspective and a little bit of hope. He's he's not he's not like think of the worst strike you've ever seen. He's not great. And he's he's bereft of confidence. He's not and he's not doing brilliant. Palace are going to score here. Fucking hell! How was he missed? He's missed. We could really do with Palace getting beat today. <laughs> um, and Everton, but never mind that. Yeah, I just think for all the criticism of Hosselu, there was some nice link up play with Gale. Um, there was the there was the fact that we looked a worse team without him in the side. And you know what we think of Mitrovich? We were like new Norman. I was stood next year. We were perplexed that Mitrovic wasn't introduced to the game. We might have still got beat, but I think we would have been far more dangerous up front. I don't, I don't buy this. Mitrovic is a good holder player. I just don't. Um, but he certainly would have offered something more than Perez. And Perez's performance when he came on the pitch yesterday was baffling to say the least. It's almost like he didn't really know what his role was. Mm. Was he supposed to be getting playing up alongside Dwight Gale? Was he playing the number ten role? I don't know. I, I don't know. Dwight Gale turned into the target man. And Dwight Gale was going up for headers with some success, to be honest with you, um, and doing all right in that role. But Perez was just kind of nowhere near him again, and it, and it, and it, it created a massive problem because the ball just kept coming back. 
and back and back every single time. And we're not a good enough team at the moment to, to be able to defend those things, uh, to, to be able to defend that for that long against uh, a good attacking side. And that's the thing about Bournemouth, I want to have a say later. I think Bournemouth are a good team. Uh, from what I saw yesterday, I don't think they're shite. I've seen lots of social media saying, oh, they were shite and still got beat. I don't think Bournemouth will be in any relegation danger uh, when it comes to the end of the season. Sai, um, were we screwed by the referee? Um, I've, I've I've watched it. I've seen um, the replays and I'm pretty sure... It's hard to say screwed. It, it wasn't offside. I'm not, I'm not having that as an offside, but the linesman can't see the fullback who's behind Gale. So I can see why he's given it. We've, I think we've just been unlucky. It's not like we've been done by a, a really bad, bad decision. It's just we've not got the rubber of the green there. It just it just keeps happening to it. When when we're gonna get some luck? Where the ref just just gives us the right decision at the right time. Um, other than that, though, I think I think in the maybe after after sixty minutes, I turned to Ben's like we were just saying they're getting every decision here, like every little niggly foul, every throw in just seemed to go in their way. So I did feel like we were being let down a little bit, and just like you know. The, their their lads were just hitting the deck and getting a free kick when whenever we went down it would just get nothing and you just got that horrific scene of um who was it is it Stuart Atwell? No, it wasn't Atwell. Wiping his hands and saying nope nope not not for use and just like how am I give her a break like there was one massive issue with the ref for me um Atsu did his defender and was away from him and got pulled back yeah and didn't get booked and we were screaming for it what happens three minutes later. He's further up the pitch in a really positive position, and because the referee's given him that one, he's like, "Right, you can, you you can do that again, no problem, mate. You do that again. I'll give you yeah. one more. Yeah. You don't even attempt to get the ball. You're just going to pull him back, and it's again." Yeah, we need. It was sermon, wasn't it? It was sermon. He, yeah, he did, I think the first the first one I had to was he had a card. The second one was he had a card. So you, you could say that that should have been a red card. Ultimately, it should have been a red card because it was two bookable offences. And and yeah, as you said at the match, it yeah it, it gives him license to do it again, and. Yeah, it, it was it was piss poor referee in that. It was, and we didn't lose because of the ref. And I, I like Rafa's um, post match attitude towards it. He can, he's kind of letting everyone know he's foaming with them, the officials, but he's not going to use it as an excuse. He's he's only concentrating on on what we need to do better and what we need to improve. Norman, our fullbacks are taking a lot of flack on social media. Um, I, I kind of obviously I don't agree with abusing them or saying they're shy because they're not. Um, but I thought. Yesterday was the first game this season, maybe where the fact that we've got no first team left back apart from Dummett, who you could argue was a centre back, um, and a, a collection of right backs who aren't defensively sound really came back to haunt me yesterday. Where do you stand on it? Um, uh, there's, there's probably something in that. I mean, I, I, there's no the, any of the criticism levelled at Mankey is it's it's really unjust um, due to the fact that he's a he's a right back playing as a as a left back, and, and he's and he's so clearly a right back as well. I mean, you know, you you can when he's making runs down the wing, there's there's no there's no confidence um, in his ability to use his left foot, and that's always gonna always gonna hamper us in an attacking sense and even in a, in a defensive sense because players can can kind of cut in, cut inside him. And he's going to struggle to get his to get a foot round. Um, Yedlin, I mean, I don't know, I, I don't think that Yedlin necessarily had a bad game yesterday. I mean, he wasn't um, he, he wasn't brilliant, but then again, no, nobody particularly was after the first twenty minutes. Um, I we've we've needed a left back for years. I mean, Dummett had a good season last year, no doubt. Um, we've got no idea how we would have done this season because of the injury against Spurs. But we 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 have needed a left back for years, and um, Rafa just haven't, hasn't been given the finances to to bring one in. So we we have what we have, and I think uh, we just have to we just have to keep supporting Mankino while he's playing in that position. There's 
nothing can be done until uh, until at least Christmas now. Uh, I, I disagree with you slightly on Yedlin yesterday. I thought that, and it's not just Yedlin, it's Atsu as well. Um, mm-hmm. That was our weak side yesterday. And I know, and that's weird because Mankiw is the one getting, getting all the stick. Um, you know, you look at the, the chance where it's headed back across the face of goal. The, their left side, the player's completely unmarked at the back post, which is Yedlin's man. He's completely switched off. And most damningly for me, Defoe has a shot which goes for a corner. And that corner leads to the goal. The rest of the back four step up to play Defoe um, offside, and he would have been, and Yedlin stays in. And that's the kind of, like, I, I trust you, Rafa, Rafa will know about that. That's the kind of, like, and I like Yedlin, I think he's a good player. And I'm not saying he's finished or anything like that. I'd, I'd expect him to start the next game. That kind of, like, you know, switching off there, that's cost with it. That's cost with a point. And, and it's, it's a small thing, and, you know, we should defend the corner better. There are other players who make other mistakes, but I just think that's so poor from Yedlin to switch off like that and to play the four on side and, and then to score from the corner. That's the kind of thing that'll enrage Benitez because Yedlin does have the ability there to play that player offside. He does have the ability to look across the line and work with the the rest of the members of the defence. And we've really, me and Sai watching the highlights before, that's offside. Rob Elliott probably plays that goal kick and it's probably um, full-time. So it's like it's it's such it's such fine margins, isn't it, at this level? And it's the same for um the the goal which has been Gete and Spurs have scored. Uh, we need these teams to get beat. Yeah, um, it's just like you talk about the the goal that wasn't given, and I agree with Sai. It's probably you know people are talking on social media saying it was a disgraceful decision, and you you can understand why why he's given it. It's not like Aguero against where for City two years ago when it's just general ineptness. And you could argue the linesman should never refer like you know lines run the line at that level because he was so far offside. How could you possibly not notice that? But it's still one of those things where, as I said to you, we aren't a good enough team to be playing Jermaine Defoe on to give them a corner in the ninety third minute of a game. We aren't a good enough team to have goals that were score disallowed. We aren't really good enough team to have those two Richie shots, one tip around the post and one come back off the inside of the post. We need those things to go with us. The, the promising thing is I'm, I'm naming things which could go our way and should go our way in future. So I think it's, an, it's too easy to say that if we'd have scored, we'd have definitely won. But, you know, considering how important the first goal in the Premier League is, considering how solidly defensively we normally are, um, that I think there's definitely something to be said for that. But mm. certainly yesterday was just a bit of a bad day all round. And, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's a frustrating week because we could have finished this week on 20 points from 11 games and we're sat here on 14. But Sai, I think maybe one of the big problems we're going to have to start, or the team we're going to have to start addressing, is we're going to have to start taking points from games where we don't play well. I get the feeling at the moment we'll have to play very well to take anything from a game and that's just not going to happen every week in the Premier League. You're going to come up against better teams. You're going to come up against teams who play better than you or, or, or more experienced than you. Do you think that... that we're maybe starting to see a pattern, which isn't a good pattern, by the way, because that's what relegated team, or teams in danger relegation do. They have to play incredibly well to take a point. Um, I know what you're saying, but I would also argue that all the teams that have beaten us have had to do, have had to work really hard to take points off us. So even even yesterday, like we we could have been, could have been well away from them. I know we only played well for probably about half an hour of the game, after which we we were disappointed being the home side, but. But Bournemouth have still had to work really hard to to try and create some chances at the end of the game and 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 nick it from where, um Burnley on Monday they've worked really hard to keep us out and then they've nicked it again, 
Huddersfield, Brighton, like all these games we've lost are disappointing. And, and you're right, um, where we seem to be like, you know, working really hard and getting nothing for our, for our efforts. But they've all been close, they've all been games. I think you've just listed before, there's, it's all things that could go away and should do at some point. Otherwise, we're the most unlucky team in the league. Um, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think we need we need to improve. I think you've just talked about the fullbacks. The fullbacks were really bad. We didn't stop any crosses. Um, that's that that was rare though. I I think I think yesterday's second half performance was 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 poor, but generally speaking, we've been good this season, and I think we're, we've been unlucky to not get as not get more points than we have. I think that's. I just I look at a team like Brighton, and Brighton yesterday. I don't know if you've seen the highlights. Brighton have burgled Swansea for three points. Swansea were poor. And should have won the game. They've hit the bar. They've missed a half full of chances. They've, you know, it, it, it's one of those games where Bright, where Swansea were poor, but Brighton were also probably not deserving the three points. But then I've got respect for Brighton for going away there and in in managing to burgle three points. Like I've said, that's something that maybe we haven't managed to do. I know the Swansea game was tight, but I'm not really talking about nick and tight games. I'm talking about having an off day and still managing to take the points, which is what we did last year on, on numerous occasions. You know, you take a look at the uh, the Burton game at home, the Wigan game at home, other games home and away where we really didn't play as well as we could, but we were good enough to take the points. And but you know what? That's maybe just one of the problems of having a young team at this level, who who don't have the the savviness. And Norman, I want I want to ask you about Isaac Hayden because I kind of came away from the game thinking I, I don't know. Someone asked us on Twitter saying, "Do you think you should be getting more stick?" And I was like, "Well, I can't really remember doing anything wrong." There was a moment in the first half when he had a shot which he really should have passed, I felt. He was never going to score and we were in a great position. But then, I'm just thinking, Norman, I don't know whether you agree, they had so much joy through the middle. Begovic would roll the ball out to a defender or a fielder and one of their pacey players would literally just run through the middle of the pitch. And I'm yeah. thinking now, where was Hayden? What, why do you think he was? What we needed there, in my opinion, was the Hayden of last season. Crunching tackles. He wasn't on a booking yesterday. He didn't get booked. Um breaking the play up, even giving away a couple of niggly fouls to, to, to stop them countering us with such ease. Why do you think we didn't see that? I, I, I don't know. I think Hayden looks to... Um, he looks, again, he looks a little low on confidence. Um, the first yeah, the first 20 to 30 minutes yesterday when we you know when we were really positive and we were attacking, um, we had that, that shape where Shelby was further up the pitch and Hayden was, Hayden was kind of in that space between the edge of our box and... Uh, the, the halfway line and it was working really well it was allowing Shelby to get forward more but then you kind of noticed after 35-40 minutes that that started changing and it was getting the stage early in the second half where Shelby was having to come to the edge of the box again for the ball and, and Hayden just he just kind of disappeared I do remember I think I said to you after about 20 minutes Hayden's playing well here yeah um, he did I and then, and, then, and then after that and then after that he did he just um, he just disappeared and I think I think with Hayden there's, a, there's definitely a, a confidence issue at the minute um, and, and what it did highlight as well, and again we mentioned this during the match, is that um, Marino is such a massive miss now. I, I, I mean, we we know he's good, but it's only. I mean, even now we're starting to realise how even how much better he is than we thought. I think um, I think Shelby and Marino in the centre midfield yesterday. I don't think we would have like burned out after twenty to thirty minutes, and I, I, I think we probably would have would have won the game. Um, he, he's almost he's almost the, the the difference in games like um, like yesterday at the minute, um, but. Hayden, I, 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 I can't put a finger on it. He just, um, he just seemed to, just seemed to disappear. Yeah, and it's not, it wasn't just Hayden. I think, you know, we love this set of lads. We love this team, and 
they've given us so many good days and the try hard and I, I don't think I saw a lack of effort but I, I think I saw like a discipline at times you look at Shelby uh, on the chance when King runs through because completely loses him I mean he stood there he stood next to him and he pointed him but there's nowhere anywhere near him and maybe you know we're talking about why isn't Shelby in the, in the, in the England squad maybe that's one of the reasons because that was so poor from him and in the first half um, the fullback Cook just completely runs off Atsu and that, that was their kind of their you know when uh, Elliot tips it over the bar yeah. When they really should have scored because the player heads it towards goal and if he leaves it, they're marked at the back post to tap it in. Again, Atsu just completely like loses his runner there. And that they're little things that for the you know the the, the great games this season, West Ham, Stoke, the wins um in those games, and even Palace, th those things weren't happening. So I'm I'm just a little bit frustrated that we seem to get a little bit sloppy in doing the dirty side of the game, tracking your runners, those kind of things. And if you look at the what Bournemouth had which was which which we didn't is the had willing runners off the ball. So when uh, one of the, the the forward players held the ball up, there would always be someone making a run alongside them, beyond them. There was always an option. Whereas even even in an attacking sense, we just didn't really get men ahead of the ball in the second half. And Sai, one of the one of the things I'm taking away from this game, particularly the last ten minutes, right, is I don't know what we were doing. What was the plan? We were good for the win. We were playing for a draw. We shouldn't. I would say, I, I don't know, I don't have the answers to those. We weren't getting men behind the ball. We weren't particularly getting men ahead of the ball in great numbers. I don't know whether the team just kind of froze and didn't know what, particularly without the captain, who was a huge loss. It was like, we probably should have, you know, last you know, five, ten minutes to go, settled for a point. Or do you think, if we're not going to do that, I think, we need to be getting more men ahead of the ball and try and make a winner because we kind of just got caught in no man's land and Bournemouth had numerous chances to win the game at kind of 85 minutes onwards. Well, the substitutions were positive. The substitutions suggested that he was trying to get get three points, not one. You know, you wouldn't put. I know Atsu seemed to be injured, but you wouldn't put um, Murphy and Perez into the game if you were trying to see it out. It just that, that doesn't make any sense. But then the both. <clears throat> I don't want to get at Murphy for another ten minutes where he's been expected to change a game, but um, he didn't really do anything. And Perez, as you say, was just just baffling. So while. Those substitutions suggest we're trying to win the game. You're right. It just looked like, if anything, we're, we're hanging on for dear life because we just couldn't. Every time we we cleared a corner, we couldn't get a hold of the ball. We couldn't keep a hold of it. We'd run forward five yards and lose it, which is what tends to happen with Perez if he picks the ball up in his own half. Um, it all just fell apart. I think I think you alluded to earlier, Norman. We're just we're just totally lost for shape. And yeah, maybe maybe the the four substitutions have kind of ruined the plan that Rafa had. But you're right. The the last fifty minutes of that game. It only felt like there was one winner because we just, uh, you're right, I don't know what we're doing. Uh, you, you can only assume we're trying to win the game, but we just didn't know how. <laughs> yeah, fair point. It could, it could have been a question of a know-how, but, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to talk about Mitrovic a little bit. Um, we're not his biggest fans. I think, he's a good, I think he's a good player, but I can see why he's not in the team. Norman, what, like, a Richie Smith kind of friend of the show said that, if you're not going to bring him on at nil nil against Bournemouth in that situation, as a like for like replacement with Fahosalu, is he just is he, is it even worth picking him on the bench? Because I can't understand. And we've talked a little bit about the sub, but with with Hosselu's struggles, do you think it's time to at least try something different, or are you just going to trust Rafa in the process? Um, I, I'll always I'll always trust uh, trust Rafa over my judgment, absolutely. But. Uh... Richie makes a good point. Um, it's almost like he's just there as a as a body on the bench, as opposed to somebody who can come on and affect a affect a game. Um, I have to I have to admit that I I would like to have seen him 
when Hossalu's number went up yesterday, I would rather have seen Mitrovic come on just because, um, as as we've already mentioned, uh, there's, there are more similarities between Hossalu and Mitrovic than there are between Hossalu and Perez. And and of course, you get I suppose the argument that okay, Hossalu wasn't offering much, so maybe Perez could have given us something different. But I think we all we all knew that when Perez came on, it wasn't we just knew it wasn't going to work. Um, and it's just a very strange substitution. And either is in that situation. Is there any point in having Mitrovic on the bench if he's if they, I mean, would, do you think there was even an intention of him coming on at all yesterday? Um, and if that's if that's the case, if there was no intention of him coming on, then there's probably no point in him on the bench. <laughs> yeah, like I think we'll, we'll talk through the subs area and how the injuries may have affected the plan. But with Hosselu having so little confidence, and I do get, I do get it. I'm, I'm not a, I don't think Hosselu's shite. I think he's he's a limited player who's doing his best who. Mm-hmm. Is provides us with an outlook, and we look we look like particularly at home, away from home might be a different story. We look like a better side with him in the team, um, but I still think yesterday, um, Mitrovic should have come on, and then I'm not I'm not sure. I, I would like to see. I think what's important. I would have you know everyone knows. I think Diame and Gale Diame at ten, even though I think Diame is really limited as well, was, was what we did successfully last season. That was our best partnership. Does mean I don't think we need to replace both like the army. We need to upgrade them massively in um, January. But even if you're not going to bring Mitrovic on, I would rather he brought the army on. And the army is shite in the air. But I don't want Dwight Gale going trying to win balls off their centre backs because a he's not, and if he does, where they're going, and b that's it's just not his game. So that even if you ignore not bringing Mitrovic on, it didn't make any sense regardless of that. Um, so I think Mitrovic should have come on, and I think I would like to see this Hosselu. Gale partnership given a chance at Man United if he's going to do that he might not he might revert back to Perez in a traditional number 10 role or traditional in our sense of number 10 role in terms of him performing that defensive function but I'm, I'm certainly not clamoring for Mitrovic to start but it is getting to the stage now where it's it's damaging for the fan base to an extent I mean the clamour around us in Block V yesterday I mean we may as well move on to the atmosphere a little bit you know people Chatting for Mitrovic, booing when Perez came on. Not many people, but some people booing at the end, singing Mitrovic's name when Hosselu put a ball out of play. It's just like, really, is this? Is it? We're back to this again. It's you know, I was just really disappointed with the the support side yesterday. Mitrovic is not Mitrovic's fault. This this part isn't Mitrovic's fault that he's a divisive character amongst the support. That's the all you know. That's, I don't blame him for that. Um, but. It's becoming a bit of a farce, really. And every game Hoslu goes without scoring now or without playing a blinder, the clamour for Mitrovic is going to get much, much bigger where it's going to start becoming a problem at home game, side. Yeah, I feel like... I mean, Rafa's mentioned in the last few weeks that he's, he's going to get a chance. We're, going to, we're also going to get to December where we're going to have to make use of all three strikers because of yeah. so many games. So he's going to have to get him in the team at some point. And you know what? I, I just kind of want it to happen now. I just want him... I want him to get a game and either it goes well, great, and we're all happy, he scores or he, he, he creates some positive results, or once and for all we'll just kind of have it out and he's he has a few performances, he doesn't do what we, what we hope he can, and then we can kind of put it to bed and people stop going on. You're right, I think it's getting it's getting beyond silly, and yesterday was, was maybe the chance to give him a go, and maybe he was, maybe he had planned to make three substitutions, one of which involved Mitro before he lost two of his potential choices for substitutes, but... Yeah, I, I, everyone knows my opinion of him. I, I don't rate him. I, I, his, his goal record isn't any better than Hosselu's, really. His, um, his overall impact on the team to date, and given that we've had two years of him, 
isn't what we we saw when Hosley signed and the first few games like the impact he's had regardless of whether he's putting away chances but yeah I, I think and I'm sure we will see it eventually I think in the next few games Mitrovic will get his chance and I just I want it to happen just one way or another yeah I think I think Mitrovic's goal record's better than Hosley's but neither of them are good enough yeah um, we were saying before or I was saying to someone earlier I can't remember who to look at Bournemouth Norman I'll ask you look at Bournemouth's side right how many of our players do you reckon Bournemouth think I would have him because I don't think it's that many you know in terms of quality no, I don't, I, I, don't I, I was looking at their team and, and I'll tell you what yesterday it, you, you kind of realise that, that Wilson and King are, are really good players they're not they're not world beaters but we, we would take them in a heartbeat I think at, uh, at Newcastle um, even I was really impressed with Daniels yesterday um, yeah. Arta put a shift in Pugh had that chance um, that, he, that he I think he was doing it with inside the post but he still had a really good game they've got They've got a good side, and um, even even from the bench, they brought on. Oh, okay, there's a, there's an argument that Defoe. I mean, he's not what he's not what he was, but he's still a decent option to have on the bench. And um, and I think even the kid Smith who came on, did they get him from Liverpool? And he cost a fair few million uh, as well. I've... Um So they've just got they just have a stronger squad than us. And the the criticism of Hosselu, I, I think the, the the issue I have with it is that this is a kid who cost five million from Stoke City's reserves. You know, he's He's probably like a, a, a championship or La Liga two striker, having to play this role in a you know in a Premier League side, and I think he he, he gives it everything. You know, there's just there's just that lack, that lack of ability, and I don't think I don't think going on on, on social media and calling them all this shit under the sun is gonna like gonna benefit anyone really. Um, and it's just a it's just a shame again that um, you know Rafa was given such a paltry amount of money in the summer to spend because we know for a fact that if he was given like you know fifteen twenty more million we we would have a, a, a lot a lot stronger squad and better options and I yeah right Bournemouth are Bournemouth are a decent side there's no there's no taking away from that I think they're in a bit of a false position I don't think they'll have any issues staying up same they've had they've done this every season they've been in the Premier League they've started really badly they've had some tough fixtures as well I think off the top of my head they've played Man City Spurs. Chelsea, Chelsea uh, um, and I think that what I saw from them yesterday was a little bit demoralising for me because their movement and their confidence with the ball up front was just a million miles away from what we've got really um, and as the second half wore on I was very much thinking I'd take a point here um, and you know what it was frustrating because you know yesterday would have been moving what seven points clear of them with a win or even yeah. maintaining that um, four point gap Sorry, more than that. But they had seven. We have we have fourteen. So what's that size? Seven points. So ten points clear of them, mm. and it would have been a great opportunity for us to move away from the bottom three. Everton have got Watford later today. That might close the gap. West Ham have nine points, so we're five points ahead of them. But they're reportedly looking to change the manager. We'll have Man United, uh, Watford, and Arsenal. I think next or West Brom, um, then Chelsea. So the the fixtures coming up are on paper very tricky. But then Bournemouth at home. Uh, Bournemouth at home on paper was not tricky and it proved to be a very tricky fixture so there's hope in that Sai where do you think this leaves us now 14 points from 11 games in the middle of the table 6 points off the relegation as, as soon as we speak good enough for you? It's about where I expect us to be at the end of the season and you could argue we've had we've had some nice fixtures that we probably would have liked to get a few more points from but I think we said at the start of the season the difference with Rafa is that you'll take points from the more difficult games so well, it's been a bit on reflection now. It's you'd probably think would or hope would have had a few more points than we do, 
given the last couple of games. Um, we're where we should be. We're, we're going to finish in and around 10th, 11th. So I think it's you've, you've got to take it in, in perspective. We've had some really good good results and we've had some pretty bad ones, but we're not we're not getting anything less than a committed performance from the team. And I think we've just been reminded that the team isn't as good as we, we thought it was or as we'd like it to be. It's just it's a work in progress for Rafa and let's just hope that we do spend some money in January and that... <laughs> And that everything goes well with with potential takeover, and we're looking at the the building blocks of of something much much bigger as as the as the seasons roll on. Uh, Norman Jamal Lascelles is there, is there a more improved player in England, and has his has his worth to the team been highlighted by how ropey we looked when he went off defensively? Uh, ab- I mean, absolutely. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, he was, he was. He was a big loss yesterday when he went off. I mean, he's. He's clearly the most vocal player on the pitch alongside, I would say, Richie. Shelby's pretty vocal, but you always get the impression that Shelby's not kind of vocal in a, an encouraging way. He just like, seems like he's angry when he's shouting. <laughs> um, but uh, Lascelles, Lascelles does. He, he holds it. He, he seems to be holding holding it together. He kind of, you know, he tells players what where, where they should be on the pitch. He's he's just he's a leader and he's grown like he's grown into that role as each game passes. Um, really, really impressed with him. And yeah, but definitely a, a big. A big loss when he went off yesterday, and that's not to say that um, Clark and Lejeune are, are, you know, are poorer players. They're not. I mean, they're, they're all really good players. But Lascelles has obviously got that that leadership um, quality that maybe the others are the others are lacking or don't have. Um, I was really impressed with Lejeune yesterday. I thought Lejeune had a really good game yesterday up until up until Bournemouth started really pressing in the second half, which you know, not none of that was really his fault. I mean, he had a he had a really good game in the first half, um, but I. I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that Lascelles isn't a, isn't it's not like a serious injury or an injury that's going to keep him out for two or three games because he's played himself into a, an almost irreplaceable um, position in the side now. Yeah, and let's hope that injury uh, isn't too too bad because I think we'd we need him at Man United away. It's going to be a really tough game for many reasons, but uh, we need what happen. Can I um, ask you to a question? The the did you did you feel it was kind of a, um, a slight disconnect between the the fans and the and the team yesterday, and that there was, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of finding the the right word to describe it. It was almost like there was almost kind of a bit of a, it felt like a bit of a malaise. It wasn't, it wasn't as loud as it has been for the last couple of home games. I don't know if that's that's what you two felt. I I did. I definitely found that when um, a lad who stood next to me, David, was uh, came into the game. He said he felt he felt around the town. It had been a bit flat compared to previous games in the pubs and that, and. Um, I've kind of we saw the worst. I think of St James's yesterday. People turn up that game expecting it to beat Bournemouth, which is the wrong approach and the wrong attitude. Um, it's one thing thinking you'll beat them because you think we'll win, you you trust the team, but then that that expectancy and that you know there was more groans yesterday. And I mean, there was one point when when Mankio got the ball in space and cut back onto his right foot, and the people in the Gallagher groaned, and it's like. I don't know what you expect from that. He's right-footed. Like, if he hoid the ball out of play with his left, he'd be kicking off. Like, th- there was a real lazy expectancy I felt amongst the crowd. And the um, I agree with you. The it wasn't as noisy. Even Block V, where we were, which is normally good driving the songs, was a little bit quieter yesterday than the other games. And I know in the second half, obviously the the, the game turned a bit, and the performance wasn't as good, but. The team really need us um, this season as fans and in the ground particularly and I just felt we didn't really as a as a fan base provide the support that the team deserved which was a shame but you know I'm sure against Watford depending on the result against Man United uh, 
it'll be back to its best. Sorry, your thoughts on that one? Totally agree. It was it was flat. I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. We've not played many games on a Saturday at three o'clock, so I thought people would relish it. But I don't know. This always seems to happen in winter. As soon as it gets a bit cold, people see going this. Well, not not everybody, obviously, but there's a section of the fans that that expect to get more out of going to the the ground. You know, they're not just there to to support the team. When it's when it's a cold winter's day, they expect to be entertained and expect a victory. Um, so I think there is that that air of laziness. I, th- I will not be surprised now if we start seeing Rafa come out with the with the same stuff he did yeah, all last season. Last season, when you know he's not had to say that for a while, which is which has been brilliant. But well, what he has said in the press conference recently, he said I don't know if it was before this game, before Burnley, he said the fans have been with the team, which is great. So he has like been praising the support. Yeah. But I've, I've, I've no doubt he'll revert to we need we need the fans to be on side if if, if this carries on. So I'm, I'm sure the the atmosphere at um, Old Trafford will be brilliant in the next one, but. If we get beat there, and that's three defeats in a row, we're going to really need to get behind the team for the next home game. It's that Watford game would be massive. Yeah. Massive. Uh, and I'm sure Raf will point that out. Norman, are you panicking yet? No, absolutely not. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to panic. Uh, I, I don't. I don't envisage a situation in which we fall in the bottom three. I don't. You know, Rafa Benitez as as a manager, his, his history tells you that he's not going to lose four, five, six games off the bounce. You know, we're not going to. We're not going to have this dramatic drop like we've had in the past under. Under Pardew, for example, um, you know I'm not I'm not stupid enough to think that we're going to go to Man U and get something the likelihood is we won't. But I'm not obviously writing us off. Um, if we lose it, if we lose at Man U, I, I just don't see us losing the fourth consecutive game at home to Watford. Now, definitely no panic. I'd, if um, if this uh, takeover didn't happen and if uh, Rafa didn't get any money from Ashley in the transfer window, I might start panicking then panicking at the you know the, the prospect of him leaving. But um, nah, as long as he's in charge, we're going to be all right. Well. We're on 14 points. We've got some tough games coming up. I, but you know, I, I can see us getting before the end of the year. If we pick up another seven to nine points, then that'll put us in a decent position for for going into January. Fair enough. Side same for same with you. Um, no panic. No panic. As I said, um, we've had a lot of easy games, and there's going to be we've got a lot of the top six still to play. So come. Let's say the end of the first nineteen fixtures. I think we might be somewhere in the bottom half because we could have done better in some of these games. But I'm not worried. I'm not. You know, there's not really that, that much difference between finishing fifteenth and and tenth this season. It's just about making sure we don't get ourselves in too much trouble. And I don't think we will. And then what what happens next is can can be anything. Only thing I'll say is, and I I totally agree with you. I've still got full faith in the, this team. You know, we need to sign players in January. I'm sure, even if the takeover doesn't happen, I'm sure there will be some signings. Yeah. No, 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 enough probably, or no, enough money, but I'm sure there will be some. Um, I still, and I said this in the last podcast, I'm still not convinced. I know who is going to be the bottom three this year. Like which teams, like Bournemouth, turned to St James's Park, completely surprising me with the level of performance, and not just the level of performance, but the the ability of their players, their forward players. Um. You don't, we don't think Bournemouth are going to be in trouble. You'd think Palace will be. Um, you'd think that... Um, and Palace are a good attack here against Spurs, but you'd also think that, um, you know, the three promoted teams, the other two promoted teams will be, but they're flying as well. They've, they're doing really well. They're above us in the league. Swansea and West Ham, maybe. West Ham look like they're changing manager. And then apart from that, you've got Everton, who are going to, who are looking to appoint, allegedly, Sam Allardyce or Sean Dyche. And it becomes... It, but it becomes like a little bit like... Who who when you play a team at home and when Sai when you said we have have had easy games, apart from West Ham, I can't really see any easy games at home anyway. West Ham and Palace, Palace are a new side under they're, they're certainly much harder to beat 
under Hodgson. So, yeah. Swan, you know, Swansea at home is probably Swansea, really I suppose. Well, we'll see. You know, what West Brom, Watford will turn up. We'll, we'll beat them four 0 man. Like <laughs> that. That's how it goes. Um, but yeah, definitely no need to panic yet. And just a bad day. And it was almost like this is a strange thing to say, but I'd, I'd have almost rather conceded that goal when Kieran Clock miraculously clears it off the line and hits the post. Would have been easier to take <laughs> than oh, that right. stupid corner. Um, which oh, were, which were let it was in. Horrible. It was just horrible when that went when that went in. I mean, two minutes into injury time, it's you know it's the stuff of a uh, stuff of nightmares as a fan, isn't it? And you, you because I mean even even at that point, I think you know we we probably all thought well you know what it's a point it's takes yeah. it to fifteen points it's not a defeat it's a clean sheet. The, the and then for that to happen, I mean I obviously the train journey back to London was um yeah, wasn't enjoyable. Put it that way. <laughs> I think we said after the game the, the Kieran Clark was well let off. That was meant to be the okay we've got away with it there we'll take That's, the point. Yeah. There shouldn't have been another 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 chance to score. It was like we'd be sat here doing the podcast now, talking about how good it was that we played badly and took something yeah, from the game. Yeah. And you look at Burnley and you look at this week we've had. We take two points and we're sat here on fifteen points. There's probably people on social media, the same people sending like abusive messages to Hosselu are talking about Europe, yeah. <laughs> like fine <laughs> margins and that. But um, you know, we really do start need taking points in games that we um, that we don't play well in. And maybe don't deserve anything out of, but but never mind. I think that just about does it for today, lads. Unless there's anything you think we've missed off. Um, the um, one one point was you know after they scored, um, there was the opportunity uh, that that Gale possibly had the ball was pumping over the top. And do you think do you think there was uh, an argument there that he was pulled back when kind of going through? Or do you think he was looking for it a bit? Both. Do you, remember, th- do you know the one I'm talking about? I know what you mean. I think he's looking for it, and I think that it's a foul. Both can be true. Um, yeah. You know, just just to kind of go back to Gale for a second. You know the chance when Shelby plays a beautiful ball through to him. He's onside. He's in between the fullback and the defender, and it's a really hard ball to take. And his touch isn't that bad, but it's just it's too much in front of him. That's right. Dwight Gale last year is in there one on one, and that's, that's just where. Rustiness, isn't it? That's just. I think that I'd like to think that's just rustiness Same. because he hasn't had much game time. And um, and you know what? On a positive. The understanding when when it clicked between between Shelby and Gale, a couple yeah. of occasions it did click and it was it was really good and it was a reminder of how good that how good those two worked in tandem with each other last season and also in, in the first half there were times where Hosselu and Gale linked up well the, the movement was really good um, and, and there were positives to take from that first half I went and if Gale's you know if Gale's goal had accounted what you ought to have done it, you, you could have been looking at a completely different game so it's just like you said like you've said before it's it's fine lines, real fine lines, and um, I don't think it's always horrible to lose an injury time, but we cannot be too disheartened by it. No. Right, that just does it for today. Thanks very much for listening. Um, obviously, we've got the international break now, so I don't know when we'll be speaking to you next. Thanks for everybody who uh, who's retweeted and shared the podcast. It does us a massive favour, and uh, you know Newcastle will be fine, and we'll speak to you soon.